0: Hey everybody! Thanks for tuning in to Media on the Radio. Today's episode is a special one. It's a collaboration, a cross promotion with Media on the Radio and the Picture Lock Podcast with Kevin Sampson. So, what you're going to hear is mainly our conversation. That's that's relatively uncut, so that's why it's a longer episode. And we get into our respective businesses, um, business ventures, and what we've been working on. And it's interesting because we're both kind of in, in a similar situation where we're doing doing these entrepreneurial ventures on our own, and a lot of times you don't have a, a lot of people to be a sounding board. So I saw this as a, as a great opportunity for us to share. It, it does get personal, and it is hopefully informative and entertaining. One of the things that we get into in the podcast is that Kevin is not only a champion of independent film, but also he's trying to feature and highlight and promote uh, black filmmakers. So um, part of the how he does that is through the D.C. BFF, which is the Washington, D.C. Black Film Festival, which is right now the entries are are opening up. So check that out. Um, Also, his show, his website, his blog, social media presence as Picture Lock. Picture Lock is is a great place to find out what's hot in terms of film, indie film, Hollywood film, all that stuff. He does reviews, he does interviews on his podcast. So Please check that out at picturelockshow.com, or or subscribe to his show on iTunes. Look um, up Picture Lock on your podcast app. I was talking about how I had saved up $150 when I was like six or something, and I wanted to e- either buy a Nintendo or Super Soaker, and it was summer. Were they that much? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeez. And I went with this the Super Soaker, and it yeah. changed my life trajectory. <laughs>
1: Because I wasn't a video gamer,
0: you know. Right. I never got into that. Um, but then we were looking up. We were looking at pictures of it, and uh, there was the fifty, which was the the, the uh, right. traditional one, which had like yellow, and that was like the stock one. Uh-huh. And then it came out with the one fifty which had the extra ball on yeah. the back of it. Yeah. Like, reserve. Yeah. Where you can outlast the other guy because you had that little ball of water.
1: That's the one I had. You had that?
0: Yeah. And then, but you have to cart around an extra how much. And then you had a backpack. Oh, yeah. For the
1: extra, you'd go like that. Oh, my gosh. Man, those are those are some good memories. But, you know, honestly, like, I just remember that the, the ball never really worked. It was like, what's the point? <laughs> It's a way to upcharge. Right, right. Um, but the super circle was invented by a black man. What? Yeah. I didn't know black that. History Month. That's your black history <laughs> fact. It is the truth. Ruth, it's, and it made like a, a billion dollars in revenues. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I used my birthday money
0: on it, so <laughs> I know all about it. My right. My cold, hard cash I earned myself.
1: That's pretty good, though. I mean, if at six years old you were... You were like, Mom, I want a Super Soaker and I'm going to use my money. That's.
0: Yeah. And my parents were super excited about it because, you know, if I buy a Nintendo myself, they have to buy the games throughout the next couple of years or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, for the Super Soaker, there's no other yeah. investment needed. Yeah,
1: exactly. Go ahead, use the water from the hose outside. That's <laughs> cool. So this is like a. What are we doing here? We're doing what we, we've been doing for the past few years. Every once in a while, we come together. We give a state of the union of our lives. And uh, we're saving it for prosperity. But I think this year, we're going to do it a little different. We're not going to go as in-depth and real as we have done in the past. We, like, get super real. But I think we're going to just talk. Because I think there's a large part of the population that can really relate to us. And, like, where we are in terms of our lives as, like freelance, doing freelance work, kind of uh, entrepreneurship endeavors, Um, but then like being in the grinding phase where like you're not, you're not quite there yet and you're not like the success story, but like you're in the midst of it and it's like, ah, do I keep doing this or what? And I
0: think it's really relevant because the work that you do is with film and and particularly independent filmmaking and Independent filmmakers are lonely because they, they work really hard and they they are their own kind of entity um, when it comes to the creative work that they do. And then a lot, I believe, a lot of my audience for me on the radio is not only filmmakers, video professionals, uh, people in creative field, but a lot of people are on their own, freelance. Mm-hmm. So I remember I had when I first started the freelance uh, business. I had a couple happy hours where I just invited other freelancers, people that you know may or may not be stakeholders in what I'm doing, and it was really interesting because everyone was like, "This is so awesome! We should <laughs> do this like every other month," you know? Yeah. And it and I think the the idea behind it is that as things move in more and more toward, towards contract based work and freelance work, that there's no office to go to, there's no coworkers, there's no happy hours, and people are really missing that social kind of aspect to it. Mm -hmm. And I know you work from home,
1: you know. Yeah, you know, that's the interesting thing because I think the last time we had a conversation, I was working at Arlington Independent Media, and so I was working for someone full-time and then doing everything else, um, you know, in my spare time. Whereas now, moving down to Charlotte, it forced me to... Because I applied for jobs and things like that, but in that area, you know, film is not really a heavy industry, and uh, so it kind of forced me to start my own stuff. And uh, yeah, so it's actually been pretty interesting working from home and and trying to manage schedule and actually being like a freelance full time kind of guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's funny, and it, it's really funny because you're you're like less than a year in, is that right?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Almost coming up in our year in, in, in March, we moved down to Charlotte. But honestly, I probably didn't start um, doing the freelance work until the kids were in school, which I think was in June. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's less than a year, definitely. And I'm at uh, like
0: 1.5 years, like 18 months. And and it's an interesting perspective. And, and it's all relative, right? Because both, both of our situations are very much similar and... Um, a, a short amount of time in, mm-hmm. relative to other people, um. But how's it been going? What, what what's what can you say about it?
1: <laughs> what can I say? I can say so much. So you know what? I think this is the thing, right? So for the audience listening, like we're obviously we're well, no, it's not obvious. So we're just kind of like no script. We haven't made an outline for this. We're just gonna talk. But the theory behind it, I think, is just um. For us, it's like seeing where we are and documenting that. But then also, I think because we both feel as though so many people can relate, um, that hopefully through the conversation, somebody hears it and is like, ah, yeah, I can relate to that. Or, hey, this is what maybe you could do. I don't know. Who knows what will come out of it? But we do think like there's an audience for this, right? Um, So for me personally... um, Moving from a full-time gig, like, I was always planning on starting D.C. Black Film Festival. Um, And then once we moved to Charlotte, like I said, um, and there were no, like, bites back on all the apps that I sent out and jobs I applied for, I was just like, okay, well, um, I'm just going to jump into D.C. BFF. Like, this is going to be the thing that I do, um, amongst other things. So we did that that was successful. We were profitable in the first year and I'm gearing up for year two. Um, and I'm hoping to really make that, make it bigger, um, than what it was last year and it, have it continue to grow. Um, and I really think that that will probably be like the bread and butter kind of thing that I do. Cause that's what I'm really passionate about. And I'd love to be able to do that full time, but because right now the, the organization isn't, to the point where I can just rely on that full-time. I'm also, I started uh, Picture Lock PR, um, in which basically I w- I can represent some of the indie films that I see. So, you know, as a film critic, a filmmaker, a film festival director, um, I get to see so many different things um, of the film industry, so many sides of the film industry. From, you know, talking to the people that I have on the show, the films that come in to the film festivals, whether it's Rosebud or DC Black Film Festival. Um, but then also as a critic, you know, I've I've been able to see kind of like how publicists like try to talk to us and things like that. So with Picture Lock PR, I just wanted to kind of expose um, uh, indie filmmakers to the things that like the bigger budgeted. PR companies have. And my goal this year is that actually I'll be writing a book and doing a online video course so that indie filmmakers can kind of be equipped with the same know-how, um, but like minus the big price tag. And it's not to like undercut the industry, but you know, as an indie filmmaker, I understand like you might not have the money to pay someone or keep them on retainer or, you know, um, you know, pay a hundred dollars an hour for, you know, that material. So I'm going to try to give people that information. Um, and so, yeah, I guess to kind of answer your question, um, it's been a mixture of freelancing, um, PR work, uh, the festival, and, um, there's something else that I'm missing, but I'm sure it'll come back soon enough.
0: Well, I think it's interesting because I'm. I started my business over, like I said, eighteen months ago, and I'm, I'm doing, I'm not very focused in terms of the the type of work that I'm accepting. Uh, it's not like I'm a video company that specializes in X, mm-hmm. uh, and so I'm taking work as it comes, and th- that takes on the form of online classes. That takes on the form of promotional videos, short. Um, Fundraising videos for nonprofits, um, and and also sometimes I'm a I'm a subcontractor where I do some camera work for other bigger production companies. Um, so it's it's kind of a mixed bag, but it it ends up working out in terms of financially, in terms of um, you know the hours that I'm putting in are, are working out in terms of income. But I'm curious because it's our situations are where they divert is that. I'm I'm in terms of my branding it's not specific what I'm I'm a kind of a catch-all for I'm a production company I'm you you hire me in in some ways I'm a hired gun in some ways I do some consulting work mm-hmm. and it's whatever the person needs I can kind of meet them where they are but you are doing something a little bit different because it's a bit more of a leap of faith it's not something that people can immediately see and you're kind of building, a lot of different things at once. Um, and it's almost more risky and... Uh, um, yeah, as my but wife the says same,
1: every, every time we talk about what are you doing?
0: <laughs> but at the same time, it's what you want to do, right? Right. So there's that thing that I go back and forth on where, and this is going to get personal, maybe we can, you know, whatever. We can yeah. cut this but I talked to Allison about it is... I talk about your situation and I think it's really interesting and it's, and it's a luxury in some ways that you're able to kind of have this time and, and Alex gives you this time right? Um, to really let this kind of blossom and let it, let it happen. And I said, you know, I'm focused on kind of bottom line stuff and I want to make sure that there's revenue coming in. And Allison said to me, she's like, yeah, but Kevin's just like going for it, you know? Mm-hmm. And she's like, you can, you can do that if you wanted to, like, it would be really tight. Like it would be like when I was in law school, but you know, you can do it. Yeah. Like if there's some project that you want a big project you want to take on. And I was like, immediately I was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> so right. in, in a sense it's like, she, she took that, she gave me that option and she took out the other part that I'm like, well, I have to do this and I have to do that. And so then it, become, it puts it back onto me. Like, right. Well, what do I want to do? Right. 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 And so um, I think that's rare. I think it's admirable for you to do that. And I think it's rare that somebody that... And it, it's, of course, hard to see the, the forest through the trees and all that stuff. But what is the vision? Like, if you had a perfect...
1: You had a million dollars, right? That's yeah. always the question. Oh, like, uh, yeah.
0: What would, what would it look like?
1: Well, obviously... These days, a million dollars doesn't go that far, right? <laughs> like, yeah, right, no, it. <laughs> you you got to right. be even smart with a million dollars. You got to right? be smart, yeah. Uh, so, first thing would be, I, I definitely have to. Like, I really appreciate my wife, and 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 so, like, on the personal side, it's kind of like we both in our relationship we've gotten to this point where like. Hey, we have to set boundaries on how long this lasts, where I'm doing it. But, like, she believes in me enough to be like, do this. But then that also puts this immense pressure on myself where it's like, I got to get this done. Which is why, like, even today as, you know, we're here together, like, I'm tired. But, like, I'm trying to send out emails and things like that because I feel like there's a, a shot clock, you know. And I know that I only have a certain amount of time. What's the vision? Well, I guess, like, the question would be, like, if I was able to, like, what's, what am I trying to build myself to? Like, what I would love to do is every year I go away, I do, like, make make whatever film that I want to make. I have Picture Lock, which I'm able to interview, talk to up-and-coming talent, and hopefully, you know, I, I try to mix it up with, like, people that actually have, like, films that are out and things like that, like, i be talking with Ruth Carter from uh, Black Panther tomorrow, but honestly, like, I'm putting a lot into the indie film community, and I'm honestly hoping because after doing this for, like, four, going on five years, like, I'm hoping that I can be the champion for the indie filmmaker because it's like, I've been doing this for so long talking with indie filmmakers because I am an indie filmmaker. And I think that's where you get the freshest voices, not from Hollywood. Um, so I'm hoping that there's definitely an ROI and even if there isn't, I still believe in the cause. Um, and then, uh, from there, like having the show, which I would love to do like TV again, eventually. Um, you know, with the DC Black Film Festival, that is definitely something that I'm passionate about in terms of like seeing stories about people of African descent and you know, buying about people of African descent, so that like you know, Black Panther coming out isn't like such a anomaly anymore. You know, like, and what one of the things, one of the quotes that I think I've kind of termed for, for myself is that I will stand with, you know, everyone, but I can only fight for certain things. So, like, I'll stand on the side of, like, you know, um, rights for certain people, whatever. You name the cause. Like, I can stand for it, but I can't fight for it. I can't devote time and energy to that because if I'm trying to devote time and energy to, like making sure that we see more blacks represented in Hollywood, like it's going to take away. So like I'll stand with you, but I can't fight for everybody. I can't spend my time and energy. And so that's one of the things that I've really learned is that like, although I want to see diversity in Hollywood, like I want to see more representations of Asians and things like that. Like I'll, I'll stand with you DC Asian Pacific American uh, film festival, Whenever they come through, I love to throw people on the show. And that's how I can use Picture Lock to kind of do that. But when it comes to, like, really getting dirty and getting in, you know, rolling my sleeves up, it's got to be focused on, uh, like, D.C. Black Film Festival. So I guess kind of answering and wrapping up this whole thing (laughs) is that, uh, you know, the vision is really just I'm passionate about film. And I love talking with indie filmmakers, like I said. Um, and so like making sure that like cinematically we see different stories and voices, um, but really focusing on like what I'm championing and what I want to die, you know, having a legacy of is like fighting for, um, seeing like black faces on the screen and behind the camera that, so that we saw their story, like, because I feel like for me personally, like growing up. Spike Lee was, like, a huge influence, but there was, like, only a few people that I could look to that was, like, oh, wow, he's a filmmaker. Um, I could do it. I could be like him. Or, like, nowadays, it's, like, I can be like her, like Ava, you know? So for my kids, like, I want to leave that legacy where, like, oh, man, that's what my dad was fighting for. So this is a true story, and then I'll throw it back over to you. So I'm a part of the Google Next Gen Policy Leaders Program, just came in this class, right? And so I went to this this, uh, conference in December. Um, I think the conference was like from the 6th through the 8th. On the 7th, my grandmother passed. And I got that news, got that call that morning. We were in like a session and I kind of knew what time it was because when my aunt calls me, like, she doesn't call me, you know? And so, like, the last time yeah. she called me, yeah, it was my grandfather. So this year it was my grandmother. And the thing about it was, you know, I had a good conversation with her over Thanksgiving. Um, and so I was, you know, prepared. It wasn't it wasn't a surprise like it was with my grandfather. He just had a heart attack and we weren't expecting it. Um, and so that really had me on this road of legacy. Like, thinking about her legacy Uh, My grandfather's legacy, now that they were both gone, and how they worked really hard so that my dad could be a doctor, my aunt could be a lawyer, my other aunt a teacher, and then so that I could be sitting at this conference for Google, right, like a huge company, and I was selected because of running the DC Black Film Festival, right, pretty much, Um, so out there doing the work, social justice for people of color. And that wasn't me. It was like my grandmother, you know, like her hard work got me to be at that conference at the time when I got this call. So that really put me on this like whole, like I said, legacy thinking about like, what, what am I doing with my life so that my kids can benefit from it? And then other people, because that's the thing, like we get to a certain point in life, right, Dev, where we both kind of (laughs) we're living okay. Like, you know, we have like clothes on our back and food in our bellies, you know what I mean? Like, but then the question is, like, how do we give back? And so for me, when you talk about the vision, I think it really cemented that, like, all right. I can stand with everyone, but I can only fight for certain things. Um, But being able to become in a position where you can help other people's voices be heard. I think that's like kind of the key, right? Being in the position uh, where you can do that. So I know we kind of like I just hard righted and like started talking about like all this other stuff, but um, but that's kind of where I am now. So uh, you know, well,
0: I was listening to this. I listened to a lot of podcasts, but they they were talking about you know some self help, some you name it self help book that um, uh, basically the theme of the self help book and this comedian that was talking about it was. You know, if you want to unlock your, like, dream or your, like, vision for your your perfect world, help people. Mm. Help other people. Give them a platform. Give them, you know, things. And the key is to not ask for anything in return. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, he explained the stories. He read that. and He was like, well, I'm just going to try it. And he started just going around and promoting other people and saying, like, try, you know, like, he was a comedian, so he did this co- comedy series. And like just trying to promote other comedians. And then within months he got the biggest deal of his life and it's just everything changed. And, you know, it's, you can chalk it up to coincidence, but it's like this and it's, and it's the ultimate, uh, you know, it's like, well, yeah, if it's, you know, it's still selfish if you're (laughs) doing things that you think are going to help you in the long run. Right. Yeah. But I believe that, that that's, that's not what you're after. And that, that that's why DC black film festival is like the ultimate, like what brings everything together in terms of everything that you're working on. Because if you do make it a premier festival and who's to say, you know, it's time will tell. And I think the vision is there and the, the capacity um, for DC to be that, that space for that type of festival is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just about convincing the right people. But, you know, that, that feeds everything else that you need to to grow everything other... Grow in your own filmmaking, grow in, like, uh, having shoot-off businesses that support and are, like, magnets for the D.C. Film Festival. And that's what I... It's like, keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... I think that's perfect.
1: You know, I appreciate it. And uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip the script in a second and I'm going to talk... Make sure that you get in some, some time. But, um... I think in this world and day and age where, like, on social media, everybody puts their best foot forward, it's great that we can have this conversation about, like, all right, well, what's really going on behind the scenes right now as, like, you're trying to get to that point? Because, like, that's the goal, right? Where you, like you said, like, to be able to help people. Like, with DC Black Film Festival, it's not about, like, how much money I can make. It's really about, like, how many diverse stories, and how many filmmakers can I find that are telling just great stories, but just haven't had the opportunity to literally put their film on the big screen? And so, like you said, it, it's definitely, like, uh, altruistic. This isn't about me. Um, if anything, for me, it's about my kids. Um, and I think that, you know... Uh, oh, so, so to finish off that story about Google... Yeah, I was curious. So... I didn't cry when my grandmother passed. Not until the funeral. But when she passed, it was kind of like one of those things where, like, I I kind of knew it was coming. We had a good talk over Thanksgiving, so I was fine with it. But when I got back from, oh man, I might get a little emotional again. When I got back from the festival or from the conference, um, my wife had told me like um, my daughter had. Uh, She was really upset because this boy a couple months before had said, your skin looks like poop, right? There's a white boy that said that. And uh, my daughter's five years old. So it's like this racism and like all this kind of stuff starts early. Because like to use the term poop rather than chocolate or like a more positive brown, right? That's To me, that's kind of interesting. I'm not going to judge the the family or anything like that. But poop is just poop is poop. It's disgusting. It's like your waste, your feces. And so so this is months later and Ella said something I can I can't even remember at the time, but she said something to the effect that she wished her skin was white, right? And I was like <laughs> that's when I that's when I just broke down in tears because I was like You are absolutely beautiful. And I was like, this is what daddy, this is what daddy's been doing. It's hard not to be emotional right now, but like, that's why I put together the festival. And that's why, gosh, I don't want to do it. (laughs) Uh, I'm not crying, you're crying. (laughs) Dude, it was, I, I was, I was like a baby. And I think it was partly because, you know, I just hadn't let the damn break on my grandmother passing and all that stuff. But like I said, thinking about legacy and what am I doing to leave and all that kind of stuff, like it just came out. And I was like, don't you ever say, you know, that you wish your skin was white, like you're beautiful, your skin, you, we are who we are, you know what I mean? And that's the whole point of DCBFF. And that was the whole point of like the Google conference where it was a bunch of people of color kind of in the top of their fields coming up with ways to make sure that, like, the playing field is even, right? And so, again, just kind of going back to that whole thing, it's not about me. It's about making sure that the playing field is even and then making sure that people, like, my daughter never says that, you know what I mean? Like, why do you have to feel inferior? And this goes back to, like, that old test where, like, they would pull out a bunch of dolls and they would say, which one do you think is pretty? And people would point at, you know, the white doll or whatever, and this is not to get into this whole like race and skin, but it's like that that's why, you know, I do what I do. And and so for now, just believing in the vision and the goal and that, you know, everything will come on the back end. But so that's me. If you have something to well, say, you say it. No, but. <laughs> no. I just wanna
0: point out though that I mean that's a an amazing story and I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, but I want to point out that, that Google, um, next-gen policy leaders, Google next-gen policy leaders was, was, I was really happy to hear that you got something like that because I know, and you can chalk it up to like, oh, well somebody referred me or, um, you know, it's cause I guess they take nominations right. and everything else, but, but that has nothing to do with it. Right. Because it's, it just basically, Says, oh, all of this work from this point on has pay- finally paid off. Whatever roundabout way that you went about it, <laughs> right? This is a notch in the belt that you can use, leverage for yeah. the future. And there's going to be another
1: moment like that in like five years that you'll be like, oh, okay. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. No, no. And, and, and like, I'm totally grateful for it. And, but I think at that moment, it was just one of those like, you know how like, Everything kind of aligns. Like, grandmother dying, legacy. Like, right now, I'm sitting really pretty, whereas, like, my grandfather was, like... He was working on a farm, like, with his his father, right? And he hated it. So he went into the army so that he could get out. The only way that he was able to go to the army was because he agreed with his dad that he would give him his check. So my great-grandfather was like, I'm not going to let you leave the farm. I need you to be here. But my grandfather was like, no, I don't want to do this. Like, I want another life for my family. So I'm going to do the army. I'm going to send you. I'm going to give you my check. (laughs) That's how bad he wanted out. So that's where I come from. And, like, to be, like, now we're, like, with Google. I mean, they set us up. It was really nice. And I'm like, this is, like, like we were talking about earlier today. Like, you know how, like, when people, like, are able to like buy drinks and stuff like i mean it's google so like for entertainment they took care of us right and you're just like uh this is too like i'm not accustomed to this right, right? like right. i'm 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 there in uh san francisco and stuff and like at the bar like a bottle or a glass of wine is like $25 like what in the world that's too much <laughs> like that's crazy but it's like just being grateful for for all of that and so so i feel like for me, in terms of my generation, where I am, where my dad was, like, the first to complete college, like, I have this immense amount of I have to give back. So, so, so at the end of the day, it's a scary place to be when you're, like, throwing everything you have into your passion, but you're not necessarily seeing, quote-unquote, income, but believing that the ROI will come later... But the good work is being done. So, Devin, that's me. <laughs> you, sir, have more of, as you said, like produ- production company, you know, more so clientele because you 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 go into situations where um, people don't really know how to do video and those skills. But you are able to answer, um, be the solution to their problem. So, like... As a freelancer, like what are some of the challenges that you face? But then also, what are some of the great things um, that have come about with it in terms of like kind of how you hustle um, so that you can kind of have live a lifestyle where you're doing what you enjoy, like instead of like going into a nine to five, like you're actually doing work that you enjoy doing kind of on your time, like you can set your schedule. But the obviously shot clock portion is like, hey, I got to pay my bills. I got to, you know, right. mortgage. I got this, that, that, food on the table, etc. It, uh,
0: yeah, and I, I don't know why when I entered it, I wasn't worried about any of that, you know, for for whatever reason, I just I knew it would kind of come, and I'm a big proponent of I'm a kind of always future looking, and it's just, it's bad because then, you know, you don't appreciate, uh, and my wife Allison is always kind of looking at wants to romanticize the past, not necessarily romanticize, but just even call it up and talk about it. And say, remember that time, you know, and I'm like, well, what about the future? (laughs) right. Uh, So I'm, I'm stuck in the future. uh, And, and I'm a big proponent of doing like five year plans and detailing out exactly what you want out of those plans. And I've done that for a while. I've done that for probably seven years or so. And I kind of, it's it's my own like I, there's no rules to it so I can do whatever I want, and I and I edit them every couple years or something like that. But what's funny is for the most part everything that I've written down and it gets really specific has come true for for the most part. I've missed I've missed some deadlines for things like I want to journal once a week, like things like that. I nah, I just don't do it. But um, for the most part the big things, uh, for example, like I put one which was a a, a business goal of doing travel, uh, <laughs> doing some traveling and shooting and going to different cities to shoot. And then when it shows up, you're like, how did this happen? And you don't think it's because you wrote it down, but I think that it is. Um, and I think I'm I'm really believing that because it's it, it never happens the way that you think it's going to happen. You have a vision of what traveling for work looks like. And then when it comes, you look back and you say, oh, I did ask for that. And I, I didn't get it exactly how I wanted it, but I did get it. But beyond that, I think the interesting thing with, with the business is that I am a solo practitioner, right? And I wanted to bring this up because I recently just went on a gig to Vegas where it was like three days shooting conference. And it was a lot of fun. Of course, Vegas is fun. Um, and I got to go with a good friend of mine who's a freelancer in New York and we flew in, had a good time and technically, like from a technical standpoint, I probably could have done it myself because of, you know, I, I set the cameras and I record here and I go shoot pictures over here and, and, uh, technically there was, there was a lot of room for it to go wrong if I did it myself. And the next phase of, of the business is I really want to open it up to other people and get other people involved and collaborate yeah. and potentially find a business partner at some point. And I'm, I'm not trying to rush into finding a business partner. But as I'm doing all the work myself, I'm finding that what's missing is a collaboration, is even just a sounding board. And it's it's lonely because, yes, you're you're making the day rates yourself and you're setting these budgets and you're you're benefiting from, um, being a solo practitioner. Um, uh, but at the end of the day you're by yourself most of the time. Right. So I think that if there is a goal in the f- future, looking is to find ways to build a tribe around what I'm doing. And it's only going, to, maybe I'll take less, uh, home at the end of the day, but it's going to be a better experience
1: and it's going to help grow
0: the business, you know, even more.
1: Yeah, you know, I I can totally relate to you with that because I think with Picture Lock PR, like, that is something where, like, I, you know, kind of report to a client. Luckily, my client, um, they're really cool, and so it's not that difficult. You know, I've had a couple clients since I've started it, um, but, like, you know, when you do, like, work for a film festival, that's a short amount of time, but, like, I have one that's, like, kind of ongoing. Um, and so I think... Uh, The thing that I was thinking about as you were talking was one of my kind of mentors just now, he was saying, like, there's work that you do in the business and work that you do on the business. So in the business is like the creative portion of it like right that's like you going out you're actually filming it um filming whatever you need for your client coming back editing you know returning um you know the final product but then on the business is kind of like keeping the books and you know you gotta have you kind of gotta grow uh the business so you gotta you know reach out to new people potential clients and stuff like that i think one thing that you do really well and that at least you really understand is that um, you know, even by, like, doing media on the radio or um, whatever the case may be by, as we kind of just talked about, like, giving an opportunity for someone to kind of, like, come on the show or um, get their voice out, you know, because not only is it a podcast, but it's on the radio, right? So by helping other people and not expecting anything in return, you also can kind of, like, gain new relationships or maybe new clients and things like that so could you kind of talk about like that part of the grind because I think what you said is absolutely correct as entrepreneurs in this phase of it it's very lonely because I think the thing is like when no one knows who you are you're proving yourself the people like Gary Vaynerchuk he has a big name big brand behind him so of course people seek to go under Vayner media or whatever the case may be. And it can be a bunch of other different folks that we could talk about. But, like, as entrepreneurs in this phase of the game, it's kind of like, like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you can't just be like, I'm here, and sit down. Like, you got to say, hey, I'm here, and, like, put yourself out there. So, like, how do you go about kind of trying to do that? I think it is it is
0: difficult because I think the it's, – it's all about – I was always thinking about who is my kind of target market for my business. And because I'm able to do different things, cause I can do some event coverage and I can do online classes cause I know studio production and I can do, and my, my main skill is probably editing um, which I've sharpened in the last couple of years, even more. It's, it's hard to focus and say, well, I only want to do this because then it's like, well, you're cutting out one third of your potential income or your business Um, but I've found that finding clients and developing work, it always, it never comes from you directly doing something. (laughs) And this is true of, of (laughs) business today. There's no cold calling. There's no hard selling. It it doesn't work anymore. And you have to be in people's faces, but giving, but being helpful to them. And so that's what I really want to try and do with the podcast is, um, having episodes that are purely for entertainment. <laughs> yeah. So for example, like I would say if hopefully people are entertained, but this is something that's it's a little bit more personal and we're talking and and it's not trying to sell any anybody anything. Yeah, it's, it's mad just vulnerable. Us, <laughs> right. It's just us being uh, <laughs> right. talking. And I feel like there's two things. There's there's you have to have a personality. And it, people don't want especially as young people get older and and get into decision-making jobs where they can hire a video producer Mm -hmm. they want somebody that maybe has my my pedigree which is i've done a couple feature documentaries i know kind of a bunch of different things about media products and i'm i'm trying to have a personality i'm trying to have fun right my branding is a little bit more fun Uh, as opposed to just kind of being a corporate kind of entity um and And maybe I don't say the right thing all the time, but I'm just going to be consistent about putting content out there. And the other piece of it is I think, like I said, being helpful. I really want to develop because what I think the potential clients that I would have are struggling with how do they market their own business or their own, their own nonprofit. And I think I'm struggling with that too. And let's figure it out together, but also, um, that's why I'm talking to so many different people on the podcast is what is working for you and what are you doing? And I want to be more specific about that. Like, for example, I have a friend of mine who runs a live stream company and he has so many great insights about, uh, a webinar versus a live stream, an event versus a meeting, right? right? The two ends of the spectrums. And, and he can break that down and explain why you would need one versus the other, what are the technical requirements and all of that stuff and clients really need that information and his time is valuable and it's it's limited um so if I sat down with him for 30 minutes and he ran through this is what you need if you're looking to do a live stream event that is super helpful for clients they can just call that up at any point and it's still relevant and they have a great resource to reach out to which uh Paul from spark street would be the perfect person to reach out to because he's, he does great business Mm -hmm. and it's, it's helping his business. Um, but it's, but it's meant to, for me to learn something as well as other people. That's what I'm hoping. And like, I'm just super interested in this stuff. Like it's, it's, I would do doing this anyway because it's ultimately a hobby, but it does kind of serve
1: hopefully a couple purposes. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, And I think that's what makes uh, the podcast entertaining is because when the host is excited about the material and finding out the information, then, you know, you get excited as a listener because there's a great back and forth. Um, But then not only that, I think what's really important is when the host is cognizant enough to ask questions that you as a listener probably would want to know, which I think is something that you do really well and I think about other podcasts like James, the James Altucher Show. I don't know if you listen to that, but like he does a really good job of like he asks a question and makes sure that his guests maybe dumb certain things down um, so that like anyone would understand it. But like you can tell, like he's really excited about the the people that he's talking to, which I think is what you do with media on the radio, and it's really cool.
0: Yeah, and I, I had a rule at the beginning. I kind of broke it a couple of times um, where. I wouldn't accept a guest on unless I can come up with an angle, unless I can come up with something (laughs) that like, I really want to talk to this person about. And I think that's all you really need, like for a podcast or anything is you to be energetic and you really to have an agenda with that person. Mm -hmm. And speaking of the the other one area I, I had an agenda with this conversation was, and we've talked about it many times and we, I feel fine bringing it up because we have the same issue is that we have Ten thousand projects that we want to do all at once, and we want them to be done tomorrow. Right. Right. And so we outlined that the fact that DC BFF is your bread and butter is your thing that not only cross section wise is like what you want to be doing, but it serves you in so many different ways. P- potentially um, as a way to make a living. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's you know doing doing a cer- certain amount of corporate video work that then would enable me to do. You know some some pet projects, some documentary, some podcasting, which I'm doing now, um, and the struggle of the, the return on investment versus hobby versus everything else. Right. And there was a um, there's something that sums it up. Is uh, you know I was shooting this conference in Vegas. A lot of really super interesting conversations about automation, about robots and about business development. Where do you go, right? How do you compete with Amazon? How do you compete with Walmart? Yeah, And it's like super, that's all they talk about. This is like 10,000 pound giant, Amazon. Where do you fit into that ecosystem, right? And so the one academic that they had was talking about the four, I forget what he called the, the measure or the tool that you use, but it's four boxes. Imagine four boxes like a Venn diagram. And one is uh, current clients, existing products, new clients new products Mm -hmm. where do you put your time right Mm -hmm. how do you if you had you know a hundred tokens to put on all of them where do you put them uh and so that's something that i struggle with a lot is is and and he was saying it depends you know because you are because it's such a changing changing landscape all the time and where do you put
1: your time yeah how do you how do you deal with that You know, that's a really good question and thought because, so just to hit on that thing about Amazon, right? Like they are a beast. So one of my friends in Charlotte, he works at a FedEx office, right? So around Christmas time, I was like, yeah, I know you're going to be really busy because it's Christmas time. So FedEx, you know, shipping off boxes. And he was like, yeah, we weren't really that busy this year because most everybody does Amazon. Like, Amazon Prime, everybody has an Amazon Prime membership. You get it in two days. Very convenient, you know? So, Amazon was backed up, whereas FedEx wasn't, you know, backed up at all. Um, so, so that's that's a great question in terms of, like, how do you kind of, how do you allocate time? And honestly, the thing is, I don't know. I don't know the equation. I'm trying to figure that out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But I think that, in part, like, so I have a calendar, right? I have a calendar that I and I'm old school in the sense that like I need to draw it out on a piece of paper. So I have a notebook, and I draw out like the twelve month calendar, and then I put like the different things that I want to achieve each month, and then from there I have a weekly. Thing where I allocate my time each day, so that's kind of how I follow it. Because what I found is if I just go by the seat of my pants, then I put a lot of time in one thing, but then something else isn't being touched on. So what I have to do is that even though I really want to be throwing all my time into, uh, let's say, Picture Lock right now, I can't do that, and I have to trust that the two hours that I blocked off for it on Monday is good. And then I go on to DC Black Film Festival for X amount of hours and then pick up for my Picture Lock PR clients for X amount of hours, which for me is kind of fun because it keeps the day fresh. But then at the same time, once that week is done, that month is done, I can look back and I've actually done a lot of work for all the different things that I'm working on versus like if I just threw all my time into one thing, then something else would kind of be slack on the on the flip side of that like should i be putting all my time into DCBFF like probably but can i afford to do that not really you know what i mean because because at this point like it's just not at the point where hey i can do it full time so like you do i have to do these other things to kind of like bring in some income but uh that's kind of how i do it how do you do it um
0: it's it's more
1: Kind of as I have time, and it's less less
0: consistent. And I get ideas that I think are really good ideas, and I usually A B test them with a bunch of people. Not A B test them, but but as a sounding board, and then I. What's an A B test? A B, and I do do some of that A B testing too, where, you know, for example, I, I check, you know, I put something out and see how it reacts. For example. Like I just started doing an Instagram account for Wait What Productions, mm. and I decided that Instagram is something I'd love to do on my own, but I don't want it my personal account because I, you know, have pictures of me, and my wife, and <laughs> you know, like my close friends are on there that I that I share photos with, mm-hmm. but I can I can do some some fun pictures of my own for the for the purpose of the of uh, the production company, and. I've decided to just do, I'm a podcast host, I'm a filmmaker and video producer, and I love breakfast. And so I'm posting kind of in that order, like different pictures of my breakfast. It was great because when I was in Vegas, they had conference breakfast and it was melding the video and the breakfast that I had that morning. Mm -hmm. And so what I find is when I have a nice breakfast picture, I get like 30 likes, (laughs) And if it's just a random generic picture of a camera at an event, it's like four likes. Yeah. So it's like everybody likes breakfast, right? Who doesn't like it's the most important meal of the day. And it's just a way to have a personality, have fun. It's something I like to take pictures of anyway. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to see where that goes. Um, If, after a while, I'm like, I'm really sick of taking pictures of, or it's like really, no one's really commenting on them or nothing's happening, I'll just stop doing it, <laughs> right? And I'll take that out and try something else and see kind of what what happens there. And you can't A-B test forever, right? Mm-hmm. But um, it, I think it is important to really kind of throw things out there and throw a curveball every now and then and
1: see what, what happens. So two questions. One, because you didn't really say what an A-B test is. I can kind of gather what it is from context clues but if you could like explain what an a b test is and then well after you do that then i'll ask the second question
0: so just a A b test is just something where you're you try a post with a picture and you try a post without a picture or a video and which does better and you and you track that over time you track the analytics and you find that actually people are really responding to me when i make silly comments about my breakfast Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to keep doing that because at least it's engaging people. And they're seeing the other
1: pictures, too, because they're engaged in my breakfast pictures. Right. OK, so um, thanks for the answer on that, because now I, know I can sound <laughs> smart and say I, I do an A-B test. <laughs> but so one question I, I'm wondering is, so for me, like I have an issue with like on social media, I don't post unless I feel like it's something relevant Um, so for the most part, like, I guess I don't test out, like, what's going to work. I just put out what I think I want to say, right? Um, and so that might mean that, like, for a picture lock show, you know, for the Instagram, like, it might be a long time before you see, not super long, but, like, it might be a week and a half before I post another pic on Instagram, because I just don't feel like anything I have to say is relevant. Like, I'm not taking pictures of, of my breakfast, I'm not really passionate about that, but I don't have anything to say about film. And so I did kind of start thinking about it, and I was like, you know what, I can post at least a picture of, like, the new podcast episode, which is once a week and kind of, you know, get it out that way um, in addition to, like, how I do it on Twitter and stuff. So um, going back to you and, like, what you think, like, do you find it – that it's easy just to kind of integrate like that as content because you're passionate about breakfast and, you know, like also putting in the regular, you know, wait, what pro stuff. Um, or yeah. Cause I just struggle with that part.
0: Well, I think it's like the advice I've gotten is to only do the platforms that you really enjoy doing anyway and don't force it. And don't, if you're not going to be r- routinely posting, like don't be on the platform at all. It's better to just pick one or two. So I'm kind of using that, and Facebook is kind of, eh. I just hate Facebook in general anymore. <laughs> right. I know it's really important, um, and I've never really gotten into Twitter. So I'm just trying to, like, I know that Instagram is something I really love doing. Yeah. So I'm just gonna hit it at like ninety percent. Yeah. You know, yeah. And like really try and, you know, do at least a post every day or two and see what happens. That
1: makes sense. You know, the but fun- it's
0: also the hashtags too, because like, uh, especially um, <clears throat> just moved to Hyattsville. And I've been able to find and try and engage the local community here and the local community of artists and filmmakers and different people by sheerly through through networking through uh, through Instagram. Mm. So there's the way you tag, the way you you know are responding to other people's posts and then they know who you are. Um, it's kind of all of that uh, and just being on that space and really really dedicating your time to it.
1: yeah. Man, Uh, I kind of forgot what it was, but I think I was going to say, yeah, so I think for somebody like me, like I understand that like all of like so Instagram, Twitter um, and Facebook is like a a giant beast and even Snapchat. Like I have accounts across most social media platforms Um, and so I understand the importance and the engagement and so I'm better at like like Twitter, and then you get like the different like if this then that or whatever, so that like you posting in one place and then it puts it out on other in other places. Um, so I find I find what you say is is true, but for me like I find that so for like DC Black Film Festival this this month being February, like I've been able to post something daily, you know, as a Black History Month fact. Uh, something about black filmmakers or, you know, in the film industry. And I tend to find that for, like, my personal brand, which Picture Lock Show, at least for Instagram, is kind of like a hybrid of me and the show, because I just want to kind of be more yeah, personable. Yeah. But, like, I find that, like, I do better, like, I do a lot better for DC Black Film Festival and, like, my clients, but f- because for them, I feel like, like I'm Posting for, um, in some cases, like it's a client, so like you're getting paid to do it. In other cases, it's like the organization building it up. But for me personally, I don't have as much time to give and devote to, you know. I think
0: I think you're exactly right, and I think even, the, kind of the flip side of it, I would argue, um, could be right as well. Where, DC BFF, you're posting maybe once a week. And then as it starts to get closer to yeah. the time, the call for entries you're posting, you know, two times a day, and then the end of the deadline you're posting two times a day, and then leading up to the festival you're posting two times a day, and then it just tapers off to like once or twice a, <laughs> right. a month, which is fine because people d- like I end up stop following, like I s- I'll follow the Sundance Film Festival, and they'll be posting these things like, I don't, this is happening in nine months, like I don't care, and I'll unfollow them, right? Right. <laughs> Whereas, like, if you're branding yourself, you're, you, this is your life. This is you know who you are, kind of thing. It's almost like, it makes more sense to just, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but having, you know, I don't know. I'm not an expert, and I'm, I'm
1: just doing what I, what I enjoy doing. But I think it's important. Because as we were saying, like, the, the-, the thesis of this conversation is more so, like, where we are as entrepreneurs and, like, the problems and issues that we face. And hopefully, like, people can relate to it. And maybe they have ideas and maybe, you know, somebody listening is like, well, hey, what you should do is X, Y, Z. Or, yeah, I struggle with that, too. Um, but I think, like it it's it works like there's a certain amount of the consistency and like you said the hashtags like the, during black history month right now it's really kind of been a great resurgence and then going into march when we open up call for entries it'll have it where like okay dcbff is kind of relevant again and, and, it, and it did taper off like once we ended and we put up like oh congrats to this winner like it was like all right, <laughs> you know, I'm not really posting anything right. for a while, and then it starts back up again. But I, I do think it's it's like, how much is too much, and then consistency. It's like all questions that like everyone wonders, but some people just don't ask.
0: And I always go back to this, and this is a good kind of summary of what we've been talking about, but I'm a fan of uh, All Songs Considered podcast. And they started a long time ago. They've been at this, like, they were one of the first people to put an MP3, like, internet radio, like, on the internet that you can just listen to a mix of of music without having to listen to the radio. Hmm. And they would spend hours in the week, just, like, majority of their time was spent sourcing video and photos to put over top of the show as a video Wow. podcast or whatever Jeez. it was probably one of the f- <laughs> first video podcasts yeah out there or internet whatever video whatever you want to call it um and they would they would have to like get clearance and they had a budget and they had to find these you know it was like editing was really hard back then and like it, and even like access to for somebody's dial-up to be able to watch the video is really hard yeah and it turned out that they they decided to like not do it one time and they just had the audio and the numbers were the same right and then they tried it again and the numbers were the same or whatever and it turned out no one cared about these they were only listening to the music <laughs> so this idea yeah. that like they were spending all this time it's like oh this is a lot easier and it's and it's now we're increasing in in our audience and everything else and it's easier for us to do and we can do more of the same yeah and so i feel like i haven't quite found that where in five years we will be like well wait what productions is this and this is what this is what I can deliver that 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 I feel like I can give you a huge value on. Whereas um, I think I'll get
1: there. Uh, it's just it's gonna take a little time. Yeah, no, it's interesting because um, I think in in terms of you know how they say there's no overnight success. So like uh, on my most recent episode, as we speak, of Picture Lock, um, in the beginning I had like a big housekeeping thing, right. Because in January, I was doing more Rosebud-focused, you know, film or uh, themed uh, programming. And so this was, like, my first, like, kind of post-Rosebud, like, back-to-picture-lock, regular-as-we-know-it episodes. And so I kind of talked about this whole thing that I said with Legacy and, like, this is where I'm going. And I kind of finally decided that, like, I'm going to be purposeful um, with the interviews that I do, and making sure that it's like impactful, you know, kind of programming. Um, and so it's going to what you said, like there's no overnight success. And like, while I was talking to May Abdulbaki on on that in that episode, and we both started our blog in like February of 2013. So here it is; it's February of 2018. So it's been five years of doing this. Five years of doing it for the love, like, like I have not. I received one check on YouTube from Google for a hundred bucks in all this time. Right, like that's it. Now, granted, you could. Did you say, frame it? Uh, <laughs> did I frame it? That's a good question. I need to like find it. Like I've I've saved like checks from other things, um, yeah, like my fun. first picture lock, you know, PR client and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, I need to find that. But the the point I I guess I was going to go to is that, like, it's no overnight success and like, as you said, with the A-B tests. It's kind of like as entrepreneurs, we do kind of, like, we know what we're good at, right? Like, we have a specific skill. And so we are able to um, solve problems for clients on that certain, with that certain skill. But then also with, like, the personal branding and things like that, it is a certain amount of, like, what is working, what is not. Like, how am I benefiting, you know, my audience so that I'm not spinning my wheels? And so as a perfect example in terms of, like, yeah, people weren't even looking at the pictures. They just wanted to hear the music. And mm-hmm. so, like, when you give them what you want, which that was the main thing, You're they were making music or mix, you know, tapes, if you want to call it mm-hmm. that, um. Then, it, like, you you kind of get to scale back on, like, all the extra stuff that you're like, I, I think they might want this, you know? Like, versus, like, no, really all they want is, this, is just this content, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter about the extra whatever. Cool. Well, this has been fun. <laughs> it has been, man. I and I, And I do feel like the wind is coming out of the sails on the conversation, but it's, like, a good... <laughs> It was a good conversation. Yeah, like no. we covered a lot. I don't know yeah. how long this has been. It feels it's like been it's been, an hour. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I figured. So yeah. it was good, man. And I th- I think it's it's kinda I love the fact that we've started this where like like at least once a year we kinda come together and we like talk about like this is the state. Because I can't wait till like, you know, five years from now when we we're like oh wow (laughs) wasn't that funny like we were like worried about XYZ I know
0: you were working at the movie theater yeah (laughs) behind the counter yeah when we first started that'll be really funny in five years that
1: will be oh my gosh (laughs) I still hated that shout out to Kevin McCarthy who I I absolutely love and he sunned me while I was working at the theater (laughs) cool cut
0: This is Devin Gallagher, host of Media on the Radio, and thanks for listening.